Well, good morning, church. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. And even as you're turning there, I know we've prayed, but allow me to pray again. Father, we come to you today eager, anxious, longing even, Father, for your Holy Spirit to be with us even now as we look to your scriptures, as your presence has already been felt among us, as your Holy Spirit indwells us. Now, God, would you please instruct us? Uh, Would you encourage us? Would you uh, strengthen us? Would you fill our hearts full of joy today? Would you remind us of the things that matter most so that we could leave this room today, having assembled as the light of Christ, carry it with us as we go about our week? So, Father, this is what we're asking. This is what we're praying. Lord God, even bravely, may I even say this is what we would expect because this is what you promise So do your work in this place today, Lord God, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, Merry Christmas. Indeed, we are in the middle of our series called Traditional Christmas. We are calling this series Traditional Christmas. Why? Because in the midst of this year, which is so incredibly untraditional in so many ways, we want to boldly remind ourselves that what? There are certain traditions that just don't change. And as a visual to remind us, uh, we look to this tradition of the nativity. And as we said, some of the purists among us and even some of the skeptics might seek to poke holes in the nativity. And so one of our traditions is that we put the wise men far off, you see? And we have all, yes, I see the applause. You're welcome. And so uh, we, we said this over the course of the next two years. It'll take two Christmases now uh, for these wise men to finally make it across the platform. So two Christmases from now, I guess, they, I guess we still can't put them at the nativity, but you get the point. Why do we look here? Because out of all the traditions, there's something special about what this draws us to. It reminds us of all the traditions that may come and go this Christmas, that there really indeed is one tradition that will never, ever change, and it has to be the people of God declaring the simple truth of our Savior coming to the earth. And so as we look at this, what do we see? Well, we see hope in the prophet's voice, because what we see in front of us is the fulfillment of prophecy. We see joy in the angel's song for glory to God in the highest, which we will look at today. We find peace in the shepherd's wonder. For as they gazed upon the child, they left and told, and those who heard of it were in wonder. And then love. Love in the baby's cry. And so today we we find joy. Say joy. Today we find joy. We find joy in some of the most unlikely of places. We find joy in the angels' song. So here it is. Uh, As you know, a question is coming. How's your joy? How's your joy uh, this holiday season, right? I mean, we have a lot of things coming up against our joy. Joy, by the way, by definition, I've heard a lot of preachers over the years try to detach joy from an emotion. Hear this, joy is an emotion. Joy is a noun. Joy is something you absolutely feel. You're not turning your heart off to feel biblical joy at all. It is how you feel. It's a noun. 
But rejoice is a verb. Rejoice is the imperative. We're called to rejoice. You see, biblical joy. The definition of joy, as we know it, is a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. But biblical joy is this. It's that same feeling given by the Holy Spirit, though. It's it's the feeling of joy. It's the feeling of great pleasure. It's the feeling of happiness, dare I say, but not trapped up in our happenstance, but it's given to us by the Holy Spirit, and it's rooted in the reality of Christ. And so as we focus on what matters most, we're able to, hopefully, still feel joy. So how's that going for you? Anybody um, having just a little bit of despair? Any moments of despair creeping in? Any um, moments of frustration as our schedules, as our plans, as our, dis- our traditions are all being disrupted this holiday season? As we watch the news, as we scroll online, any bitterness starting to kind of well up in there? Anyone gotten sucked into the biting and the bickering? Oh, my word. The keyboard lashings that we have seen. It's so easy, isn't it? Weak moments. Joy under attack from politics to pandemics. This year has affected us all. Dare we say that 2020, when we look back, sadly, in many ways, it will be perceived as a year full of grief and loss. How's your joy? If there's ever a time for biblical joy to shine brightly, the light shines the brightest in the darkness. It's now. If there's ever a time for the church of Jesus Christ to come together as the light of the world, indeed it is now because we have suffered loss. I personally have prayed over the phone with folks as they were entering into eternity over this season. I've prayed with and watched on as many of you have struggled about what to do with your businesses and your jobs. We've sought hard as a church to lay out principles to guide us, recognizing that the conscience, the Lord has given us a conscience to guide us, his Holy Spirit to move us along, and we've striven after unity so as to leave room for one another's conscience as we go forward. But your joy, what about your joy in the midst of all of this? For dare I even say that some of us in the loss of these things are even struggling with purpose right now. Can we find it here today? The Lord uses his word. He uses his Holy Spirit for sure during these times to guide us through. But I do believe the Lord also uses practical circumstances to guide us along in these difficult times as well. I think he guides each of us and he provides each of us gifts along the way that kind of guide us and give us hope and strength. And for me, without question, it's my boys. 
when I'm struggling, like when I want to light things up, like when I want to lay it down, when I want to get frustrated, when I want to spout off, when I want to weigh in. It just seems like the Lord in those moments uh, gives me a glimpse of my boys who are partying like it's 2019. Like they are just partying like it's 2019. Like what in the world is your problem, Dad? Because things are going on over here. Like they're fighting over normal things like video games, right? They're fighting over normal things like stop smashing my Legos. They're fighting, never mind. You see, while this world is going crazy, while everyone's chasing after their fill in the blank, their Christmas list is just as long. They're just as excited to light up the Christmas tree. They're, they're, still, they're still mooching after mama's cookies. Nothing's slowing them down. They're listening to Christmas music. They're dancing all around the house. And my question is, why? 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 Come on, Dad, step back and ask why. Why are you going crazy while they're... Security and joy go hand in hand. Security and joy go hand in hand. Security and joy go hand in hand. When you feel insecure, there goes your joy. When you're feeling secure, your joy shall be full. You see, their emotions aren't tied to election counts. They haven't, they haven't let government mandates get them down. They're wearing their masks to school, but they're not fussing too much I'm not making any statements here. I'm just making observation. Honestly, they haven't expressed much concern about the virus at all. Although the other day, as we were tucking one of our middles into bed, with tears in his eyes, he looked at mom and he said, Mom, I'm afraid of the... I'm afraid of the COVIDs. I'm afraid of the COVIDs. It's the first time we've heard anything like this. It was just in the past week or so, and Mom, I'm afraid of the COVIDs. And I asked myself, where did that come from? I can assure you this, for this little guy, it didn't come from watching the news. That fear didn't enter his heart by talking to his friends. You know where it came from? You know where that seed was planted? Right or wrong, that's not the point. That seed was planted when he heard dad. When he heard dad speaking with great concern about one of his friends who was fighting for their life. That fear entered his heart even as we prayed for that particular person. And what it reminded me of is this, is that joy and security go hand in hand. And for kiddos, where do they find their security? You see, if security brings joy, our kids find their joy in the security of their parents. They find their security, indeed, just the same in the, in the joy of their parents. They find the security and the joy that their parents are demonstrating. You see, when mama says, come on, let's bake some cookies, the whole world could be falling apart. But if mama's smiling, we must be okay. 
If dad says, come on, throw on some Christmas music, we're going to light the tree, and we're going to have a party, everything must be all right. Let's dance. Can you think back in your childhood? There was a lot of joy for some of us when mom and dad were secure and acting joyfully, and there was a lot of insecurity when they were not. And I look across this room, and I know for some of you, that illustration hits you a little more squarely on one side or the other. Joy. The same is true for us, friends. Our joy is affected by how secure we feel. You see, in here at Christmas, it calls us, you and I, to have faith like a child. It calls us, doesn't it? Doesn't Christmas draw us like children to look to the joy of our Heavenly Father just as our sons, as our daughters, as our children, as the next generation looks to us, they find their security in the smiles on our face or the lack thereof. So too ought we as children of God be able to look to our Father and find our joy and our security squarely in Him. This is where biblical joy comes from. Listen, if our Father says everything's going to be okay, it's going to be okay. If our Father says, don't be anxious for anything, then we have to look to Him for the courage and the strength to rejoice even when we don't feel like it. Psalm 1611, in the presence of God is the fullness of joy. In the presence of God is the fullness of joy. The fullness of joy is found in the presence of God. And so here, friends, we recognize this. We can make a commitment today, and it would be this. Regardless how I feel, I'm going to choose to rejoice this Christmas. Why can we do that? Because joy is a gift. When you feel better than your circumstances, that's a gift. When you have greater pleasure, when you're happier than the world tells you you ought to be, that's a gift. Galatians chapter 5, joy is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Ask God for it. Ask God for joy. Ask God for joy. Ask God for joy when you lack it. And I believe it is a request he'll answer. And so let us make a commitment. Let us make a commitment today that says, I'm not going to let anyone or anything steal my joy. Amen? If your life is like mine, that amen was easier to say than it will be to practice this week. And so what do we need? We need to look to God's word. We need to find our strength and find our joy where it can be found. So could somebody use some joy? Just say joy. joy. Where are we going to find it? Come on, in the most traditional text on the Christmas story, Luke chapter 2. Let's take a look. We're going to find joy here because joy can be found in the angel song. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. Let's start at the beginning. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. 
And so Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Why? Because he was of the house and the lineage of David. He went, why? To be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. We covered that last week. And while they were there, the time came while in Bethlehem for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in swaddling cloths and she laid him in a manger. Why? Because there was no room for them in the inn. Ah, Christmas. And so now while all of this is going on, at the same exact time that There's no room in the inn. The same exact time that the Savior enters the world, we come to verse 8. Now, in the same region, at the exact same time, there were shepherds out in the field. You see, that's why they have the privilege of being at our traditional nativity scene. Because at the same time, they were out in the field. Keep reading. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And then an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And so the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And then suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Come on, friends, we find joy now. We find joy in the angel's song and let us kind of zero in now while the Savior is being born. Shepherds out in the field, verse 8, what are they doing? As you're reading the story, verse 8, you come to it and you say, and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field. And you see, we've been around this story for a real long time, and so we're like, oh, it's the good part. I love this part. Come on, how many of you have a soft spot in your heart for the shepherds? Raise your hand. Come on. How many are like, come on, these shepherds, all right? Some of you are, that's fine. We'll talk about those of you who have issues with the shepherds in a minute. For myself, there's something about the shepherds. I love this part of the story, but if you're in the first century and you were hearing this story told for the, real, for the very first time, you might be thinking to yourself, isn't this a story about the Messiah coming? Like, isn't this a story about God bringing, like, putting on flesh and coming into the earth? What in the world are shepherds doing in the God story? Where in the world is this story going anyway? Why might a first century a person feel this way? Well, you may know and you may have heard before that the shepherds were amongst the lowest class of people. Shepherds were dirty. They did dirty work. Off, out in the fields for long periods of time. You wouldn't want to get too close to a shepherd, is what I'm trying to say. These were blue-collar guys, rough and tumble. 
the lowest of the low, dirty, dishonest. It was said in one of my commentaries that traditionally they had a real confusion between thine and mine. You know what I'm saying? In a lot of instances, the sheep that they were carrying over were of higher, were treated better than they were. You can guarantee this, they were not called, they were never called as a witness in a trial, for they were regarded as a cast that couldn't be believed. Look it up, you'll see. And see, so here we have, come on, think blue-collar warrior, think foul mouth and interpersonal curmudgeons interpersonal skills to match. And so what do you have? You have these curmudgeons gathered around a fire, right? Because you're, you often act how you're treated. And here they are. Let's kind of imagine this scene. They're kind of gathered around the fire, kind of. Who knows the last time they've seen people? I don't know. Are they telling stories about how they've fended off animals with their bare hands and the last, kind of the last kind of wolf they've had to run away and maybe they're cutting on each other. Maybe they're getting after it. Maybe they're joking. I don't know. Who knows what they're doing? They're just going about their day. Or is it their night? Just going about their lives. When all of a sudden, this happens. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone round them. And they were filled with great fear. Going about their life when all of a sudden what happens? God shows up. Going about their lives. Going about things as normal. What happens? God shows up. And they find themselves on their faces in great fear. How many of you um, would um, demonstrate small amounts of fear if that happened to you on your walk around the neighborhood tonight? As frightening as it may be for just a being to appear in the sky out of nowhere, hear this and hear it clearly. What brought fear to the shepherds was not merely the angel. What was of greater fear and concern for them was the Shekinah glory of God that accompanied the angel that arrived. 
Let us be clear. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 10. Enter into the rock and hide in the dust from before the terror of the Lord. Hide, if you will, from the splendor of the majesty of the glory of God. Hidden in this simple story that we have read over and over and over and over again is the splendor and the majesty and the terror and the awesomeness. Of God. Like, I missed that part of the Christmas story. Like, I missed that part where I would gaze into the nativity and see peace and joy and love and, oh, I feel so much better and, and the peace of God which passes all understanding. You see, what preceded all of that was terror. How small they felt in the midst of the presence of God. Oh, how they would have been reminded in that moment of their need for a Savior to come. For the holiness of God was all around them. The lowest of beings. Like we're talking about great fear here. Like this is not a Macaulay Culkin like grab your cheeks kind of fear. This is a fall on your face. I think I might die. Come on, friends. Come back to the Christmas story fresh. Come back to the Christmas story and read it. Can you imagine this story from the angel's perspective? Fear. Fear to the extent that you're afraid for your life. Have you ever had someone scare the snot out of you and then their response was, don't be afraid? Like, how's that working for you? I remember as a kid, like, having, I was a country, I lived out in the sticks, like, in the Appalachians, right? So out on the mountainside, and when it got dark, like, it got dark, right? Real dark. And so when I would be at a neighbor's house, a neighbor there was like a farm neighbor here, you got the point? And it's dark, and there's trees, and there's shadows if there's any light. And my friend decided that it was a good, older friend decided it was a great time to tell scary stories before I had to walk home, right? Scared to death. You'll be fine. Don't be afraid. Just walk home. Guess who wasn't walking home? Guess what he had to do? Older friend. Walk with me all the way home. He had to begin to convince me why I ought not be fearful anymore. And that's why the next words in this text are crucial because they're fearful to the point of death. And if they're not to be fearful anymore, trust me, stop it is not good counseling. If you're trying to counsel somebody who's going through despair, trust me, stop it doesn't work. Truth helps. Truth in grace helps better for the despairing, for the anxious, for the fearful. Here it comes. Fear not. Why? Because I'm, we're, I'm here to bring you good news of great joy, the angel says. Here's the beautiful part. It'll be for all the people. I come to bring you good news of great joy. Anyone use good news today? If there's ever a moment of time that we could use good news, it's it. And here it is. I bring you good news of great joy. This is like stand to your feet, clap your hands, 
pump your fist kind of joy. As fearful and as low and as the end they thought they were coming to on the ground in the Shekinah, this is the absolute opposite kind of joy. As deep as your despair might be, the truth that they're about to share is the exact opposite of your deepest despair. That's Christmas. Christmas brings a truth that is intended to lead us to the exact opposite of our deepest despair. But yet so often, that which is meant to bring us out of despair, I know, sends so many of us toward it. And so again, the good news. If you want to find joy in the angel's song today, point one would be this. We need to receive the good news of the gospel. If you want to find joy in this Christmas, we've got to find good news in the gospel. Look at verse 11. Here it comes. I bring you good news of great joy. What is the news? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. I bring you good news of great joy. The word great here is in the Greek root mega. Mega joy. Mucho joy. Just say mucho joy. Mucho joy. Mega joy. ever asked yourself why the shepherds? Have you ever asked yourself why this moment? Like what in the world is the Lord doing in this moment? How is this truth right here? This truth that for unto you behold I bring you good news that for unto you is born this day in a city of David, who is Christ the Lord. What do the shepherds care? Like, why would these shepherds care? They're outcasts. They're rejected by men. You see, to really get the fullness of really what's happening here, and perhaps you've heard this truth before, but let me catch us all up on this. You see, these aren't just normal shepherds by, by my study. You can look into it yourselves, but the proximity of where they're doing their work leads us to believe that these aren't ordinary shepherds. For the temple laid claim to all sheep within a radius of the temple, which leads us to believe that these weren't just ordinary shepherds. These were Bethlehem shepherds. These were Levitical shepherds, which means they were likely raising lambs who would be taken to the temple and slain upon the altar for the remission of sins. Now here's the irony. These shepherds who would have taken sheep to the temple for sacrifice would not have been allowed in the temple. Have you ever felt unwelcomed around religious events? Have you ever felt out of place around spiritual things? Enter Christmas. Enter this moment. For here you find men, 
people, individuals, who never would have been allowed into the presence of God as it pertained to the temple, who now, where do they find themselves? Those who couldn't enter the presence of God, the very presence of God came to them. Christmas reminds us that our God pursues the lowly. Our God took on flesh, Philippians chapter 2. Our God entered this world at the lowest cast possible, and his entry into this world was proclaimed to those who could relate. Man, just stop and think about this. Our God pursued those who weren't permitted into his presence at Christmas. He shared his glory with the forsaken. He showed his favor to the forbidden. He shined his love upon the unlovable. He embraced the outcast. Come on, some of you need to hear that again this morning. Someone brought you here. Someone sent you this link. And you need to hear this morning that God embraces the forsaken. You've been hurt before, I know. You've been rejected before, I know. You've been counted as an outcast before, I know. We're curious. We're curious to ask, how many breaths did the Messiah take before the outcasts were brought in on the story? Come on, friend, get your, get your heads around this. He brought joy to the shepherds, allowing them to receive the good news first. And today, he's offering the same good news to you. What's the news? A savior, a rescuer, a redeemer has been born. Only two times in the book of Luke is, is the title savior used. And here it's used as a declaration. Later, later, later in the book, you're going to find it as, as a confession. The men of Sychar are going to say, we receive the Savior. Here he's declared as the Savior. The next time you see the word Savior, it's calling us to confess that he actually is. Now this, Christ the Lord. Christ the Lord. The word Christ is Messiah. The word Lord is the covenant. The covenant name of God, Yahweh. The covenant name of Yahweh. So it's Christ the Lord. Christ the Lord. So think of it this way. Messiah Lord. Messiah Lord. Messiah hyphen Lord. Not Messiah of the Lord. Not Messiah from the Lord. What this title is actually saying is he is Emmanuel. He is Christ Lord. He is Messiah Lord. He is God in the flesh dwelling with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Us, not a man sent by God, but God himself coming as a man. This is Christmas. And the shepherds heard it first. And so what are they to do now? Look at verse 12. And this will be a sign to you, shepherds, you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. A sign. Would this news actually calm their hearts? Would this news actually bring joy? Would this news actually cast out the fear that they were feeling in this moment? Why this sign for these individuals? Why these shepherds? 
Well, indeed, if these were Levitical shepherds, they would have given, they would have assisted in giving birth to many. They would have assisted in giving birth to many infant lambs. If these were Levitical shepherds that would have taken lambs to the temple for sacrifice, they would have had to inspect the lambs, wouldn't they? They could, only, they could only take spotless lambs. They could only take perfect lambs. And so why the sign? Why this sign? These same shepherds who would have been there to assist in the birth of these small lambs, and then the ones who would have inspected them for their to see no imperfections, they too would have wrapped these lambs in swaddling cloths. Do you see it? Long before, long before John the Baptist looked up from the baptistry and said, behold, here he comes, the king, the, 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 one, the lamb of God, the one who takes away the, all of our sins. These men, the lowest of men, already saw him and confirmed it. They'd already inspected the lamb. They'd already seen him wrapped in swaddling cloths. They already knew. Why the shepherds? Those who cared for many sheep had the privilege to see the good shepherd lying in a manger bed. Those who cared for many sheep, the shepherds themselves, had the privilege of seeing the good shepherd first. Those who would have filled many manger troughs with provision with the bread of life, if you will, that would have sustained many sheep, they got to see the very bread of life lying in a manger trough that they would have filled many times before. Why the shepherds? Because they knew. Why the shepherds? Because it was the lowest caste that was qualified to see the one who could save all mankind. For if God cared to come to the low, if God cared to redeem those who were outcast by all of society, what would he do with the rest? Oh, sinner, come. Oh, sinner, see. Oh, outcast, draw near to the Lord. That's Christmas. And then all of a sudden, joy filled the air. And then all of a sudden, this news of joy was accompanied by a choir of joy. Point two, receive the glory of God. Let us rejoice in the glory of God. Let us rejoice in the glory of God. Verse 13. And so as they're contemplating this sign, all of a sudden there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. Come on, they joined their voices together. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. These shepherds who weren't allowed in the temple are now surrounded in heaven's cathedral choir. The worship center came to them. It says they were surrounded by a multitude of heavenly hosts. Hosts. Host is a military term. So here you have a gathering, an assembly of angel armies, the same exact angels who one day will end the war, the same exact angels who will fight on behalf of the Christ child they're proclaiming has come, the one, the very angels who will one day accompany the Messiah as he casts our adversary into the eternal pit of hell. The ones who one day will yield a sword first and foremost have come to fight this battle, peace. The ones who will accompany the Messiah to end all days 
have come to announce the beginning of new days. Days of redemption. Days of acceptance. Days of casting aside the religiosity that kept men and women looking on the outside in. And he says, this is news for all mankind. This is news for you. And you'll find peace in this news. And you'll sing in response to this news. And you will join with the heavens choir. For here, for here, for here, the shepherds found joy. And so we rejoice with the angel armies. Glory to God in the highest. Did the shepherds sing along? I have no idea, but we must. For the presence of God is enthroned upon the praises of his people. That's Christmas. It's inviting us to sing. And every time we sing, what does the revelation tell us? The angel choirs are giving glory to God every moment of all the days of eternity. And so we sing, we join with the angels of Christmas. Can the spirit of your imagination, can the imagination of your spirit go there? That when you sing, you join with heaven's choir. And what were the angels declaring? What really were the angels singing? Essentially, they were singing this, the fullness of time has come. (laughs) The fullness of time has come. Those who've seen a great darkness are about now to see a great light. The fullness of time has come. Galatians chapter 4. Because when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoptions as sons. Sons, daughters, family, nobody on the outside looking in. That's Christmas. What are they declaring? The king has come. For they say, peace, peace amongst those, peace amongst those, peace. The prince of peace is here. What are they really singing? That the son of God has come to bring peace to all who believe. Notice who receives the peace. This news is for all, but peace and joy will only be appropriated and received by those who actually receive it. Peace will only be experienced and joy, true biblical joy, will only be felt by those with whom our God is pleased. Trust me, our God is not pleased with all of mankind. That's what our Bible teaches. Christmas is not necessarily a message whitewashed for us to say, hey, God is pleased with everything and everyone all the time. Kumbaya, let's lay it aside. Peace amongst those with whom our God is pleased. And so what is the purpose? Why, why, why? Because we come back and we stare and we gaze and we reflect on what? God himself took on flesh to die on the cross to pay for the sins of the world. We have joy because Emmanuel, the Savior, came. We have joy because he lived a perfect life. We have joy, however, don't miss this, though, because he died a painful death that was yours to bear. 
And so peace comes in believing that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him, they shall be saved. They shall be saved. And they are the ones who receive peace. And so come on. Christian, rejoice in the peace, but understand why your light is so important. Understand why your joy is so essential this time of year. For it's in the joy of Christ that your light shines forth, that others might receive the peace that you have. That they too might experience the joy that you possess. You see it? When you focus on the main thing, all these other things come under the joy of the Lord. And it's there. The Lord came to the shepherds and he's coming to you right now. And so Father, we come to you in prayer. We humble ourselves before you, believing Lord God that there are those in this room who need to receive you as their Lord and Savior. There are those watching online right now who are assembled with us there who need to receive you as their Lord and Savior. Father, through the power of your Holy Spirit, would you help them to see that you came to earth to die for their sins, that you went to the cross on their behalf, took the penalty, bore the pain, You were buried and that you rose again three days later. That you ascended into heaven as the Lord of all. Messiah, Lord. The Savior. And so God, would you move in hearts now that we would confess our sins, that they would confess, that we would confess our sins and ask you to be our Savior. For those who are lacking the faith to believe, Lord God, would you grant them that faith even now? It's a gift. Friend, wherever you are, pray. Cry out to the Lord. This is not a repeat after me moment because the Lord knows your heart. You cry out to the Lord. You tell him you know you're a sinner who needs the work of his son to save you. And that you want to live for him here forward. The scripture says when you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that you will be saved, he makes you a new creation. He gathers you amongst his family as a child of his. Celebrate this truth today, friends. Father, do this work in this place. Do this work online. Do this work in living rooms and in cars and wherever we may be assembled. Save souls today, God. We're asking, we're pleading, we're begging. As your ambassadors, we appeal to men. Now, God, seal this joy in us that we may be useful to you in the days to come, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.